0: Hey everyone, this is Tom Salemi of Device Talks. Welcome to our newest member of the Device Talks podcast family. It's called... Medtronic Talks. Our constant search to find new ways to bring you insights in the Medtech industry led us to the fine, fine folks of Medtronic. They've agreed to make their senior leaders available to us and to you. In each episode, we'll discuss the opportunities and challenges facing one of Medtech's clear leaders, so you'll have an inside view on what makes Medtronic go. We'll ask the questions, Medtronic will provide the answers, and our great network of sponsors makes it all possible. So sit back, hop on a treadmill, take the dog for a walk, whatever you do when you listen to a great podcast and let's listen to how Medtronic is getting the job done. Let's go. Hey everyone, this is Tom Salami. Welcome back to the Medtronic Talks podcast. Our guest today is Nina Goodhart. Nina Goodhart may have the best name in Medtech. She also has a really great job. She is a senior vice president at Medtronic. She's also president of the structural heart and aortic business at the company. In this episode, we'll talk extensively about Medtronic's heart and valve business. We'll go over, over its entire portfolio and really discuss where Medtronic is making a difference here. We'll also talk about how Medtronic is working to improve access to quality care. And uh, Nina discusses her role as co-chair of the Medtronic Women's Network. So far-ranging conversation. Great to talk with Nina, who has uh, an interesting degree, at least to me. So uh, I really enjoyed this conversation. Before we begin, though, I'd like to bring in Kevin Hartke. Kevin is the Chief Technology Officer at Resonetics. Resinetics is sponsoring this episode of Medtronic Talks. Kevin, Tell us about Resonetics.
1: Resonetics is headquartered in Nashville, New Hampshire, with a total of 11 locations across the US, Costa Rica, Switzerland, and Israel. We have 1,500 plus team members, with over 10% holding a technical degree. We are 100% focused on the med tech market and provide industry leading advanced engineering and manufacturing solutions in raw material, components, and sub assemblies with a technology focus in thin wall stainless steel tubing and precious metal marker bands, laser processing, nitinol processing, metal fabrication, and smart device sensors. We provide additional services and complete device design and development and finished clean room assembly. And we also have an in-house automated solution group which designs and manufactures all of our capital equipment.
0: We'll hear more from Kevin Hartke a little later in the podcast. If you want to find out more about Resinetics, go to Resonetics.com. Well, Nina Goodhart, welcome to the podcast.
2: Thanks so much for having me.
0: So I have uh, covered MedTech for a long time. I said a lot on this podcast. It makes me sound really old. But uh, I have to say, I think your name is probably the best medtech name I've ever heard. Uh, any story behind it?
2: No real story, but with a name like this, I'm not sure there was anything else I could have done but work in cardiovascular. <laughs>
0: That's very true. It's tough when you get typecast, but uh, you seem to, be, uh, seem to be working through it. So I'd love to find your, your, about a bit about your background and how you found your way into, into medtech. And I was excited as all heck to uh, see that you have a, a journalism degree. Uh, I think you may be the first person I've encountered uh, with a journalism degree in this space. So uh, tell me a bit about your, your path into the medical device industry.
2: Sure. So I do have a journalism degree from Northwestern. I then got my MBA from NYU. And when I think about my career path into med devices, really three parts. The first part was consumer. So I I, I left college and, and grad school, went to work for um uh, advertising agencies that focused in packaged goods and, and consumer marketing. I then went, to, go, went on to do Big Pharma strategic consulting and from there made my way to uh, Medtronic for uh, Med Device.
0: Excellent. And did you ever have a, a journalism degree in mind or were you just more interested in communications?
2: I went in thinking I was going to write for the New York Times. <laughs> so you just never know how things are going to go.
0: That's very true. That's very true. Well, great. Well, let's talk a bit about your uh, your business at uh, Medtronic, the business that you you oversee. Uh, tell us a bit about the areas that you cover, and then we'll obviously drill down. And I can't wait to talk about Taver and some of the other exciting spaces you're in.
2: Yeah, so thank you. Um, so the big, uh, the big business that I cover for Medtronic is Structural Heart, which is one of our fastest growing businesses within Medtronic. We've been really at the forefront of innovation for a a number of decades now. And these innovations include the first transcatheter pulmonic valve, which is mostly for congenital heart disease for children, the first self-expanding and recapturable transcatheter aortic valve, or TAVR, which is the big business here for Medtronic, and then moving now into the big spaces of mitral and tricuspid. So if you think about the heart, it has four valves, and we essentially have programs in all four of those valves.
0: That's excellent. All right, well, let's uh, let's talk a bit about the the structural heart component. I mean, I, I think I had read that this is one of the fastest growing businesses in Medtronic. Tell us a bit about the the uh, the advances there that uh, that you're overseeing.
2: Yeah, so you're right. TAVR, or, or transcatheter aortic valve disease, the program there, is the fastest growing and biggest opportunity, I think, in all of MedTech. This is a program that treats uh, severe aortic stenosis. So essentially, if you think about the aortic valve in your heart, if it gets uh, narrow and blood can't flow through, you start to have aortic disease and you may need to have your valve replaced. And so, since 2000, 2007, when the Core Valve was first approved in Europe, and then 2009, when Medtronic acquired Core Valve, we've been iterating on those platforms in order to really provide what we think is the best technology uh, in the TAVR space.
0: Well, let's focus on uh, on the TAVR space. I wanna I wanna drill down into, into your. You have a very broad portfolio in the space. You've got several programs. Uh, can you kind of walk us through bit by bit? I know you had recent news on the on the Evolute, uh, that we can talk about. But uh, what are what are your various uh, products in that space?
2: So in the aortic space, really, we have been focusing on what we call the Evolute platform. That's the newest platform that we have. The newest product that will be coming out, we're expecting to uh, bring that to market very quickly, um, is the FX valve. And that is as is a valve that is focused on ease of use, making it easier for physicians to uh, uh, be able to use that valve, deploy that valve, and provide what we call enhanced visualization so that you can really see what you're doing uh, for orientation and depth of the valve.
0: And you've got several clinical trial programs going on in this space, is that correct?
2: We do. We have a number of clinical trials. In the aortic space, we've got uh, the first trial that we're very excited about is a trial called Optimize Pro. And there we're really looking at how we think about pacemaker pathways. There are very often a patient with aortic disease who receives a TAVR valve may require a pacemaker. What we're looking at is, can we provide a technique that physicians can use that's called cusp overlap? Can we use that technique to bring down the number of pacemakers, to bring down the rate of pacemakers? And so that is a trial that's currently enrolling. We also have, we're very excited about a new trial that we, we've just started called the SMART trial. Mm-hmm. And this is really the first head-to-head trial in the TAVR space. And here we're really looking at the, um, the clinical question of which valve is best for which patient. And when we think about patients, a number of patients have what we call a small annulus. And so we want to make sure that you have the right valve for these patients. And so we've got this head-to-head trial with, uh, with Edwards Life Sciences. Their valve is called Sapien. And so we've got a head-to-head trial with the Sapien valve to take a look at whether or not Evolut performs better in these small annulus patients. We believe that it does. We also believe that women primarily have a small annulus. And so we think about 80% of the patients in this trial will be women, which means we'll get really strong data on what's an underrepresented population uh, in clinical trials.
0: What went into the, the the decision, or talk a bit about the decision to do the head to head trial with Sapien? That's that's not common, not seen often in, in medical devices, um, at least as far as I know. Is why was that necessary, and, and what is that? Uh, uh, how do you sort of put a program like that together?
2: No, you're exactly right. It's not very common. Like I said, this is the first head to head trial <laughs> in that. the public space, right? <laughs> and so, no, you're absolutely right, though. But what we started to see was that there was clinical equipoise around this. Physicians were really starting to think about which valve they should use. And because there's no head-to-head data, it was really hard for them to make that decision. So we had a number of physicians coming to us asking us whether or not we would think about a head-to-head trial, especially in this very critical patient population. And so we do as we normally do. We put a group of physicians together. We debated how we should think about this. We thought about the fact that this is not done very, very often. But we thought that the question was so important that it would be a really good idea to do something different in this space and really prove, I believe we will prove beyond a shadow of doubt, that the Evolute platform is really the best technology for these patients with a small annulus, especially for women
0: interesting interesting so talk a bit about the the space in general i mean we saw abbott move in uh, obviously a few uh, few companies have moved out but th- this is an area that's getting more attention more competition i'm sure this a study like this uh, may not be the first time we see this but but how how competitive is this space getting and and what do the new players uh mean mean to you one uh, of the uh, established competitors in this space We're going to take a quick break from this conversation to bring back Kevin Harkey, Chief Technology Officer at Resonetics. Kevin, how does Resonetics help companies in the R&D space? And what has your company done to support the work of developmental engineers?
1: Yeah, Tom, we offer development engineers access to our Lightspeed Lab. The Lightspeed Lab provides quick turn, Prototyping services employing over 100 engineers and technicians with dedicated processing and support equipment across multiple locations. Now, the primary focus of this team is to shorten the design cycle. And we do this through engineer to engineer communication, quick turn quoting and prototype delivery. If your device development is successful and requires volume manufacturing, we provide a direct path to production through our phase gate transfer process.
0: And Kevin, final question. Resonetics has invested heavily in developing new technologies in medtech. What are some of the unique capabilities that you're working on that will benefit the medical device industry?
1: I'd like to highlight a few of our latest technology developments that support the structural heart market. Now, the first is nitinol valve frames. Resinetics has advanced nitinol processing through the implementation of our in-house built customized femtosecond laser cutting systems which provide a near net shaped part with no internal honing or deburring required. We've also engineered and manufactured our own automated salt bath for heat setting, which provides consistent and repeatable phase transformation performance. And finally, we've progressed the electropolishing of Nitinol through an automated system designed and built by Resonetics. In addition to Nitinol valve frames, we also offer design and development services. Our design and development services group provides truly innovative delivery system designs for the structural heart customer, employing the latest in catheter fabrication capabilities, including prime laser cut tube. Prime laser cut tube is a service in our delivery system component and subassembly business. And this starts with our Lightspeed Lab engineers who transform your catheter function requirements into a customized laser cut pattern. This pattern is transferred to a functional part, employing both our metalec precision tube and an advanced high-speed laser cutting process. This process is very efficient to quickly prototype a variety of catheter designs and transfers directly to production with our high-volume manufacturing capability. In addition to laser cut tubing, we also offer assembly and laser welding services. Resonetics has a long history of assembling and laser welding implants and delivery systems for the structural heart market. We employ an industry-proven laser weld verification and validation process that ensures repeatable and consistent weld performance. Now, finally, I'd like to highlight our smart device sensor platform. Resonetics has completed two acquisitions in the smart device sensor space which provides our customers with access to customized microelectrical, mechanical, and optical-based sensor platforms. These sensors can be integrated into catheter delivery systems to provide physician feedback on force, temperature, and pressure. All
0: right. Well, thank you, Kevin Harkey, for joining us in the podcast. And thank you, Resinetics, for sponsoring. Once again, if you'd like more information about Resinetics, you can go to resinetics.com. How competitive is this space getting and, and what do the new players uh, mean, mean to you, one of the uh, established competitors in the space?
2: Again, you're exactly right. This has essentially been a duopoly. There have been two players in the space, um, Edwards and Medtronic. Um, we are now seeing Abbott come into the space. I think for patients, it's always good to have more technologies that physicians can evaluate, make good decisions about which valve is best for their patients. Um, the Abbott technology, I th- we should think about it as first-generation technology. It's, uh, it's designed differently. And um, if you think about the Medtronic valve, it's what we call supraannular, uh, which essentially means it sits a little bit above the annulus. The apid valve is what we call intraannular, which means it sits a little bit deeper in the annulus. So if you think about blood flow, Tom, if you put something inside that annulus, it makes it narrower. Uh, the evolute uh, valve sits a little bit above, so it allows the, the orifice space to be a little bit wider, so it allows for better blood flow the more blood flow you can get through the valve, the better for patients, the better their exercise tolerance, et cetera. And so we think we've got a, a really good advantage here with that supraannular design. We also have to remember that the new AVID valve is indicated only for extreme and high-risk patients. The Evolute technology is now also indicated for that patient those patient populations, but also for intermediate and low risk, so a much broader patient population. Uh, and so we think uh, the Evolute valve is still a, a much better choice for physicians to make. But it will be great to see the continued evolution of uh, new devices coming into the space. It's always good for patients
0: always have trouble sort of tracking or keeping track of valve to valve. So we we're talking about, we've talked a lot about the aortic valve. What are some of the other opportunities? And I think you've hit upon them already, but in the, in the other valves, is, is, a, is the aortic valve the largest opportunity or are there, are there equally large opportunities in tricuspid pulmonary and mitral?
2: So, Tom, in the mitral valve, which is really the next big opportunity in, in medtech, um, our, our focus here is on mitral and tricuspid. We know that over 2 million patients, or 20 million patients, I should say, suffer from mitral and tricuspid valve disease in the U.S. and Europe, which is you know an enormous, enormous population. And so we're in the process of developing technologies both for mitral and tricuspid. In the mitral space, we have a product called Intrepid, um, this is a valve replacement for mitral. Um, we are looking. We are in the process of developing a transcatheter approach for that um, for that valve, uh, and we're in early feasibility trials now to test that. We currently have a trial called Apollo that's a pivotal trial, that, a global trial that's currently running, about 300, 350 patients already treated. That's a transapical approach, uh, and so that's really looking to test the efficacy and the safety of the valve, but our, our approach for, for bringing this to market will absolutely be uh, through transcatheter. In the tricuspid space, again, we also have an early feasibility trial, also looking at that same Intrepid valve in that tricuspid space. Uh, right now, there are no, there really are no options for patients with tricuspid disease. So it'll be exciting to see whether or not we can bring it a, t- a technology forward that can really help these patients.
0: And how many of these valves could be delivered in a in a transcatheter fashion?
2: The goal is to have all of them delivered through transcatheter. The the entire market is moving to transcatheter. And so we, uh, our goal is to make sure that all of our valve programs, all of our our valve technologies are able to be delivered uh, through a transcatheter. So in our pulmonic program, those valves are delivered uh, through transcatheter. TAVR, of course, transcatheter. And now we're doing trials uh, in mitral and tricuspid to bring transcatheter technologies to the market. In the mitral space, we're also looking at repair technology. So if you think about mitral, you have the opportunity to potentially repair a valve or if needed to replace a valve. Um, because the space is so complicated, we've really been focused on what we've called this toolbox approach to bring multiple modalities into the market. And so on the repair side, we have a, uh, a research development partnership with a company called The Foundry. They're very well established in Mm -hmm. this space. uh, And they are working with us to develop a, um, a new repair technology. The goal for that technology, of course, again, also going to be transcatheter. But we're also looking to see whether or not it can be as safe as the current product on the market to be um, even more effective than the current product on the market and to give physicians what we call uh, room for intervention. So right now Abbott has a product that once you repair uh, the mitral valve, the only other thing you can do is to send that patient to surgery. There's no opportunity for re-intervention. So with the, the technology that we're in the process of, of creating, you will have that, um, that opportunity. So uh, that is, again, in early feasibility trials, and um, we're, we're very excited about seeing what that will do.
0: I'd love to follow up on the uh, on the work with the foundry. This is the Half Moon project that that you developed, and uh, how did this relationship come together? I mean, traditionally, a larger company will obviously uh, track a, a, an early stage technology a startup. You may invest. Uh, you may even have a membership uh, representative on the board. This sounds a, a lot more uh, connected than than any of those. How did uh, how did you come to decide on this approach? And, and please describe the the relationship a bit.
2: Sure. So um, because Structural Heart is such a large program, we have essentially had three approaches to our research and development. We have the work that we do organically, what we use our own engineers to help us create and develop. We look at small companies that we use as incubators to help us uh, create new technologies where appropriate. And then we've looked at, at research and development partnerships like we have with the foundry. We've known the foundry uh, well, so they have worked with us um, on renal denervation, another uh, technology, of course, that we have here at Medtronic. And so as we were thinking about how to create this new repair technology, we thought that they would be really great partners. They've got deep, deep experience developing technologies in the mitral space, and given our very close relationship with them, on other working technologies, we thought that this would be a great partnership, and I have to say, it's it's proven to be just that.
0: And, and what do you think the outcome looks like? Uh, do you are, are they building the product for you, or do you acquire the product if it if it goes to if it if it becomes what you hope it'll become?
2: We have an investment, we've made okay. the investment with them. We're working very closely with them and then we will have the rights to that product.
0: Very cool, excellent. Do you see yourselves entering into similar agreements with other entities or perhaps another agreement with, with, with the Foundry, is this a, a new model?
2: It is a new model um, and we're liking it very much. So it's we, we're looking very closely at whether or not there are other opportunities to do something very similar.
0: It's an exciting program and uh, yeah, the, the Foundry folks are the best. So uh, I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing what becomes of that. Uh, before we let you go, I, I want to talk about a, a few uh, issues, I guess, aren't directly directly related to your oversight of the uh, structural heart business, but more uh, in your, your efforts to encourage uh, women to take leadership positions uh, in MedTech and I assume elsewhere as well. What, uh, what's, what else are you doing or what are you doing in, in that space? What, what efforts are you involved in?
2: So as you probably know, Tom, Medtronic's had this very significant focus on diversity, engagement, and inclusion. Um, I have the privilege of of co-chairing the Medtronic Women's Network. Um, The Medtronic Women's Network, or MWN, has about 20,000 members, so um, extraordinarily large, really focused on gender equality and empowerment of women. We are focused on areas like retention and recruitment of women across all of our functions at all of our levels, focused on development and promotion of women, uh, really focused on ensuring that women's voices are heard in specific policies for Medtronic, things like return to office and future of work and ensuring pay equity. And so, given the size of this network, we've got this really strong and powerful voice that we use to help Medtronic really think about the perspectives of women as they're making decisions about the organization.
0: That's terrific. Now, looking through the, uh, just scanning the website for the Medtronic Talks podcast and the pictures we have, and it's uh, it's a, a really strong representation for the women leaders at, at Medtronic. Uh, the reorganization, really, I think, that did you get a sense that as it was done, it really elevated women into uh, into these these uh, these head of business operating unit business positions. Do, do, do you feel like the, the reorganization really uh, boosted that effort?
2: I think the new operating model absolutely helped um, women move into new roles um, all across Medtronic. We have a number of women presidents at Medtronic, which mm-hmm. is fantastic. Of course, we want to work to raise women um, up all throughout the organization, so that we can see women in all of our functions at, and at all levels continue to move forward. And so I think the operating model will absolutely help that. But mostly, I think that Jeff Martha's focus on that, our executive committee's focus on that, is going to really make the biggest difference.
0: And you Nina, know, the final issue I wanted to ask you about is just uh, healthcare disparity. It, w- it would seem that, that structural, the structural heart business uh, is, a, is a business in which this is... I mean, this is critical. If people are unable to get the healthcare they need, uh, what is Medtronic doing in in, in that area to uh, to help ensure that that folks have access to uh, to the the this great technology, other other technologies, and folks who need uh, help for their uh, for their medical issues.
2: You know, in Structural Heart, we've been looking very closely at at racial disparities and healthcare disparities in aortic stenosis in particular, wanting to ensure that patients had access to these incredible technologies. We know from all of our data that these underserved communities have had less access. So we're in the process of developing pilots. We currently have four, what I'll call grassroots pilots across the U.S., really looking at how can we better identify patients, how can we improve referral channels, and how can we make sure that our underserved communities, especially our communities of color, get to a referral physician, get to a valve clinic, and, and ensure that they get the technologies that, that they need and deserve. And so we'll start with these four pilots. Our intent is to expand them as we go and really work to make sure that everybody who needs a, a TAVR procedure, a mitral procedure, a tricuspid procedure, or a pulmonic procedure, for that matter, uh, gets one. And so excited about this work, and I'm looking forward to expanding it.
0: Fantastic. are working on a lot of uh, important projects over there, a lot of great technology. Uh, I really do appreciate your taking some time to, uh, to share your story and their stories uh, on the podcast.
2: Well, Tom, thank you again so much.
0: Well, that is a wrap. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode of the Matronic Talks podcast. It's great to have Nina Goodhart here. It's wonderful to have Resonetics as a sponsor of this episode. Thank you so much to both. And thanks, of course, to you, our listeners, for continuing to tune in. If you haven't already, please do subscribe. We're on every major podcast application. Google, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, etc. We'd also appreciate it if you'd share this podcast on social media, let your friends and colleagues know about it. And if you do, I'd love it if you would connect with me. I'm on LinkedIn, Tom Salemi of Device Talks. I'm also on Twitter at MedTechTom. You can find this In past episodes of the Medtronic Talks podcast on devicetalks.com, you'll also find information about our many meetings and other great content. So go to devicetalks.com. Finally, please do give us a ranking or comment on your podcast applications. It's a great way to help the podcast, to help other people find us, and of course, listen. That's it. Tune in next time. We'll have another great episode of the Medtronic Talks podcast waiting for you.